The woman saw that the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eyes, and desirable for gaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then he asked, Who told you that you were naked? You have eaten, then, from the tree of which I had forbidden you to eat. The man replied, The woman, whom you put here with me, she gave me fruit from the tree, and so I ate it. The Lord God then asked the woman, Why did you do such a thing? The woman answered, The serpent tricked me into it, so I ate it. We serve a God of abundance, yet you're still living paycheck to paycheck. We serve a God of order, yet your house always seems to be a mess. You feel unappreciated and overwhelmed just trying to keep up. Does the noise of life drown out the voice of God? Hi, my name is Gina Morton, a Catholic wife, mom, and declutter coach. Welcome to Pruning to Prosper, the podcast where we talk about all the practical things to run your home smoothly. Clutter, money, mindset, and yes, Everyone still wants to eat, so we'll talk about that too. That nagging in your heart is God telling you he has more for you than just trying to keep up. If you're ready to get uncomfortable, get brave, and see what you can do, then grab your garden shears because you're about to prune away the stuff so you can prosper into the woman God has called you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Pruning to Prosper. I'm your host, Gina Morton, and if it's your first time here, I'm so glad that you have found this podcast, and I hope that the information here blesses you and helps you become the woman that God has created you to be. So before I get started on this episode, I wanted to take a moment to ask you to celebrate with me, because on March 23rd, it will be one year of this podcast, Pruning to Prosper. And it has just flown by. It has been such a fun trip. And if anyone is contemplating doing a podcast, reach out to me. I would love to talk to you um, and encourage you to do it because it really has been so much fun. And I've met the most amazing people doing this podcast. So here's how you can help me celebrate. When you leave a review on Apple iTunes, it really helps the algorithm so that other people can find the podcast and it hopefully brings more blessings to more women that find it. So how do you do that? You go into iTunes below in the show notes and it'll say leave, you choose how many stars you want to leave. So hopefully leave five stars and then it'll ask you to leave a review. So then you type in a little review, maybe tell me what you've learned in the podcast over the past year or some insight that you've had or something that you've started doing or stopped doing because of the podcast, anything that comes to your mind that's positive and, you know, <laughs> good for, for the reviews there. And then before you hit send, I want you to take a screenshot because once you hit send, I really don't have any proof of the reviews. I don't really see them for a few days or a few weeks sometimes. So take a screenshot before you hit send. Then what I want you to do is I want you to send me your screenshot of your review. And you can do that by emailing it to tightshipmama at gmail.com. And that address will be in the show notes, okay? And on the 23rd of March to celebrate the one-year anniversary, if I read your review, 
you are going to win one hour of free coaching with me. You can choose whatever you want to choose. You can choose an hour of a wardrobe consultation. We can sit down and do a budget real quick or just talk money. We can do a meal plan. You can just get some good coaching on your next season of life. Whatever you want, if I read your review, then you're the winner and I'll be in touch with you. So go ahead and do that and let's just celebrate making it to one year together. All right, great. So let's get to the podcast episode today. I want to start with a story that if you have been with me from the days of YouTube, unfortunately, you may have heard this story already, but please bear with me because not a ton of people watched YouTube, so hopefully you hadn't heard this story. But let's go back to little Gina in third grade. It's 1985, and Cabbage Patch dolls are all the rage. They were very hard to come by. I don't really, I don't know if you were part of the Tickle Me Elmo craze. Maybe that was when I first had kids. That was a big thing. But every now and then there's a toy that comes along that everybody wants and it's impossible to get. Well, that was Cabbage Patch Dolls. And I remember my mother waking us up really late at night and driving to Montgomery Ward because her name came up on a list and she had the chance to buy a Cabbage Patch doll. And I remember sitting in the cold Camaro in Indiana, waiting for my mom to go in and get our Cabbage Patch dolls, and she did. So that was kind of the craze going on at the time. And I had a third grade teacher. Now, at this time, we lived in Indiana, and I had Miss Campbell, who I thought was just the coolest teacher ever. And her mother made a Cabbage Patch doll quilt. So this is the beginning of the school year. And so she told us about this quilt and she said, at the end of the year, we are going to have an auction. And the quilt that her mother was making was going to be the main focus for this auction. So how could you bid on the quilt? You could bid on the quilt with these points that Miss Campbell was going to award throughout the year. How did you earn the points? You had to write. You had to write stories. And I was like, okay, I can do that. And a lot of the other kids in the class thought the same thing. So the next day, and she was always very, um, she always encouraged us to write. And she was just, honestly, she hands down top three teachers of my life, Miss Campbell in Indiana. If you're ever listening, you were the best. Um, so she would give us a little bit of time every morning to read a story that we had written the night before. So the day after she announced this Cabbage Patch Kid quilt thing, lots of people wrote stories and everyone was getting a point from Miss Campbell. And you would save your points in your desk and accumulate them so you could bid on the auction items at the end of the year. So the first week, a lot of kids did stories. The second week, things kind of petered out a little bit. By the third or fourth week, I was the last man standing, and I proceeded to write a story, I don't know how many days in a row, but for most of third grade. I remember writing stories. I wrote a play one time, and we had the, the dot printer, the matrix dot printer, and I remember printing out tons of copies so that I could have other kids in the class play roles in the play, but I was constantly writing so that I could earn points to bid on this Cabbage Patch quilt. So fast forward, the end of the school year arrives and it's auction day. 
And there's other items in the auction, you know, kind of like lesser things that, you know, were cheaper. You know, like if you had one or two points that you'd earned throughout the whole year, you could bid on those things. So people are bidding on stuff and I've got so many points. I have more points than anybody in the classroom. And Miss Campbell kept saying to me, Gina, why don't you bid on something? Gina, why don't you bid on something? And I was like, nope. I have one thing and one thing that I want, and it's that Cabbage Patch Kid quilt. And the other girls were still kind of holding on to their points, knowing, too, that they were going to bid on this quilt. And I remember thinking, how ridiculous are you? Because I have way more points than any of you, so get some other stuff, because you're not getting the quilt. And so sure enough, the bidding begins for the quilt, and all the other little girls are raising their hands and whatever, and I'm just, like, laughing. I remember so clearly sitting on the floor. I can feel the coldness of that tile, and I just remember thinking, like, why are they even bothering? And I had plenty of points. I outbid everybody. I took that cabbage patch quilt home, and I still haven't looked for it in my parents' house, but I have to do that one of these days when I go to my parents' house. So anyway, little Gina, she got the Cabbage Patch Kid quilt. And how was that possible? Because I set a goal. I kept my eye on the prize, and I played the long game. This is what wealthy people do. They play the long game. Now, we're going to go back to this Bible passage, and I'm going to talk about the two things that Adam and Eve do in this story that we could say are things that people do today that are keeping them poor, keeping them overweight, keeping them on the struggle bus. All right? Now, before you tune out and you hate me for this episode, stick with me to the end because I'm going to tell you a few things you can do to change that mindset. Because being broke is one thing. Being broke just means you're temporarily without money or you're in a tough spot right now. But being poor is a mindset. And that's what we want to get you out of, okay? We want to get you out of that poor person mindset. So let's go to the Bible verse and let's see. What did Adam and Eve do that people that are on the financial struggle bus tend to do to this day? So the first thing, the woman saw that the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eyes and desirable for gaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. All right, here's the first thing that poor people do. And what what Eve did, instant gratification. Yep, it looked good, felt like a good thing. As my dad would always say, it sounded like a good idea at the time. She was tempted and she caved. She caved very easily and very quickly. She wanted it and she wanted it now. First mistake of staying poor. You can't give in to temptation that easily. And you have to be able to say no. No is your new favorite word. Delayed gratification is your new mantra. All right, let's move on to the next thing that they do in this Genesis chapter three that poor people, poor mindset people tend to do still to this day. So then, okay, so then they get caught, of course. God comes into the garden. I skipped a bunch of verses in there. God comes into the garden, and, you know, he knows that they ate from the tree of the forbidden fruit, and they know they did wrong, and they realize they're naked. Um, So then God says, well, who told you that you were naked? You've eaten then from the tree of which I had forbidden you to eat. The man replied, the woman whom you put here with me, 
She gave me fruit from the tree, and so I ate it. Yikes. Threw his wife under the bus really quick there, didn't he? But wait, there's more. Why did you do such a thing? The woman answered. The serpent tricked me into it, so I ate it. All right, folks, this is the second thing. People that stay in debt and they stay with money problems for the course of their lives blame other people for their problems, for their situation, and they don't have personal accountability. So one of the ways that you can change that mindset is to change your ownership of whatever is going on financially in your life. Just own it. That's all Adam had to do was just say like, yeah, God, she convinced me to eat it. I'm sorry. You know, who knows? Maybe the story would have changed. Maybe God would have been like a little more sympathetic, like, all right, you guys. And maybe we didn't, we wouldn't have been banished from the Garden of Eden. Maybe we wouldn't have hard times in childbirth and that the earth would not be so hard to toil and produce fruits and vegetables and manage. But they didn't own it. They passed the buck. They blamed each other. Here we are, right? So that's the, that's the other thing I want you to do is I want you to just say, okay, we're in the situation that we're in. We're going to own it and we're going to move on. That's it. All right. So now I want you to think about, so what, what do wealthy people do instead? So two things, delayed gratification. They make a plan for their money. They're, they are telling their money where it's going to go every month, every year, multiple years. They they think long-term. They're little Gina at the beginning of the school year with their eye on the prize nine months later, okay? Good things take time. It's not going to happen overnight. You're not going to get out of debt overnight, and you're not going to be wealthy overnight. It takes time. It's boring. There's no fast, shiny fruit way to get wealthy, all right? Um, you have to just do it little by little, every single day. And these are some other habits that I was thinking about that wealthy people do um, and why they are wealthy. So impulse is expensive. Plan out your life. Plan everything from the dinners you're going to make to the next car or vacation. And plan out your debt-free date, all right? So many people don't even know how much debt they have, let alone have a plan to attack that debt or have a date that they will be debt-free. This stuff is really easy to figure out, guys. It's just a matter of opening your eyes. And again, that's going back to the book of Genesis where um, their eyes were opened and they saw that they were naked. Okay, but it's not a bad thing when it's coming to your debt. Like, open your eyes, pull off the Band-Aid, sit down for an hour, go through your papers, go through your banking statements and figure out how much you owe to whom. And I will have more episodes coming on like how we can tackle these different little um, aspects of it. But if you're looking for a personal coach, this is what I do. I sit down with my couples or I sit down with individuals and we make a plan. We have dates for when are we going to get out of debt? Okay. So the other thing, um, when you're planning long term, wealthy people have sinking funds. Okay. They don't just wake up one day and say, all right, I'm going to go buy a car. Or I'm going to, you know, go buy this major purchase or, yeah, I'm just going to 
get loans for my kids for college. Like, no, they plan. They save from when the kid's two years old or at birth for the college fund or they're saving in a sinking fund for a vehicle. And if you haven't done these things, don't beat yourself up because that's another thing wealthy people don't do. They don't beat themselves up. They stop complaining. They stop blaming others. They're personally accountable. They fail quickly. All right. That's one of the, that's, that's a beautiful thing that if you can tweak your mindset to embracing failure, you're going to be wealthy faster than any of your friends because wealthy people embrace failure. They embrace the, I don't want to say criticism, but constructive criticism. Okay. They're like, all right, that idea didn't work. We own it. We learn from it. We move on. Okay. We don't spend years beating ourselves up over a, a financial mistake or some sort of a business deal that didn't go right. Like so many successful people that you know have had major mistakes financially and with businesses. I mean, like look at JLo, right? She made, what's that? GG or G, whatever. She's made some flops of a movie, but we don't remember those, right? We don't see that. We just look at the success that she is, you know, and like everybody, any superstar on the athletic field that is now a household name, they, they probably had a season or two where they just thought like, maybe this is not for me. Maybe this isn't my calling. I didn't even play more than five minutes this year. Okay. But they learn to move on. You learn from it, you tweak the plan and you move on. The next thing that wealthy people do, they read, they read books. So, and I, I found this quote online um, about, it was a, an article on wealthy people and their habits, but it said, those who read seven or more books per year are more than 122% more likely to be millionaires. Bill Gates has, said, has been said to read up to 50 books per year, and Warren Buffett spends 80% of his day reading. There is no excuse for you not to educate yourself a little bit on personal finance. The library is your new best friend. Go to the library. I recommend starting with Dave Ramsey's um, book. I'm currently reading a book by, oh gosh, Ramit Sethi. It's called I Will Teach You to Be Rich. Um, I don't agree with everything he's saying in this book, but that's the thing. Read a lot of different things so that you can kind of form your own opinion about money and form your own plan. But just sitting back saying, well, we weren't taught this in school, so I guess I'm just going to be in debt for the rest of my life is not going to get you to the financial freedom that you desire. So educate yourself a little bit. Get a book. Start there. There's tons of podcasts. You are holding in your hand every book that has ever been written, every article that has ever been published, every podcast that has ever been uploaded. What are you doing with your phone all day? Read something. Take 10 or 20 minutes to educate yourself, okay? You can learn a language on your phone in 20 minutes a day. Like, what are you doing in these little pockets of time that you could be educating yourself and changing that mindset from victim to I'm in control, I'm empowered, right? Okay. And uh, the last thing that I'm going to talk about that wealthy people tend to do is they hire help. They hire coaches. They hire trainers. They spend their money on self-improvement and they don't feel guilty about it. So the next time I see you, if you come up to me in the grocery store, I'm going to ask you, what are you reading right now? Or I'm going to say, what course have you signed up for? Because 
if you don't know how to do something or you're intimidated by learning it or it just feels like the learning curve is way too big for you, hire help. Sign up for a course. There are courses that range from, you know, a couple of bucks to thousands of dollars. There is one out there for you. I promise you. All right. So, and worst case, call me and I will help you and I'll sit down with you and we'll make a plan for how you can change your mindset and we'll set a, a path for getting out of debt or building wealth and taking on the next uh, season of your life and really doing what God's called you to do. That's why I'm doing this podcast because it's like there's all these little practical things that are probably weighing on your shoulders way more than you realize and they're holding you back from becoming the woman that God wants you to be. So let's get this out of the way so that you can soar. All right. So um, I just want you to take away from this episode that it is possible that wherever you are on your journey, whether you're struggling month to month or you're sitting very comfortably, there's always room to grow. There's always room to improve. And it's always going to just be day by day. Write that story every single night. Get that little point every single day from Miss Campbell. And then when the auction comes, you're going to get the prize. You're going to be able to outbid all the other kids for that Cabbage Patch quilt. All right. Know the goal. Make a plan. Have a great day. See you Saturday for a five-minute declutter with me. And also, guys, please don't forget to send a review in and send me a screenshot. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.